0: because everything was no <laughs> no everything was no 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 and they said she's nova for a reason and i said well she's nova who's gonna move mountains because little kids that go around saying no are usually the kids that can move mountains <laughs> because god has created all of us for a purpose and our purpose is to bring god glory that's God's purpose. It's not to make us comfortable sometimes. It's not to make us rich or happy, although he desires for us to be joyful and he gives us principles and, and to live by so that we can have happiness and joy. But the greatest thing that God has for us is the fulfillment of his goodwill and pleasure. How many of you know what your giftings are already? You know, you know, I'm gifted to do this and this. H- how many can say when you find that sweet spot in the lord that that is such great pleasure how many would say that when you just you know i l- darla helps me a lot and she was help. she a couple of the ladies glenna and darla and jenny brought food by to help with all the people we had 16 children just alone and uh darla comes in and she makes everything look so pretty You know, and and when she was helping me the day we were taping the television show, she had, like, her camera, and she was taking a picture to make sure it looked just right. And I thought, now that's her gift. You know, everybody has a different gift. Like, I hear Joy. Joy and Dave McInnes McInnes have the most amazing ability to communicate family truths. I was reading um, Dave's notes on Wednesday night because um, he 's been teaching about Solomon and he, what the truths he was bringing out, and I told Pastor Rick he came walking in the door, I says, "You know what these two people together, God put them together because they have this unique ability to communicate family values and truths and just I mean the best I have ever heard and I 'm not saying that just to Pat Joy in the back, but they just have this ability, and I know it 's because of what they went through, but they're a way they communicate it. So God wants us to have this joy in his favor rest upon us when we celebrate the giftings and do his, his good work in us. His favor is, is upon us when we walk in that. You know, I think the, that people are beginning to recognize a little bit more in the kingdom of God that his favor is for us. And you're hearing people more saying, I'm favored of God. You know, I have God's favor on me, understanding our position we do have to be careful. I've had people, I remember somebody told me, praise God, I just got a new house. It was so exciting. It was really cheap because the man had just lost his job. And so God gave me that house. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Let's think about this. You know, that's not how God works. <laughs> Let's be careful what we say. Let's not indict God, okay? <laughs> God's favor is just simply this, undeserved kindness of God. That's his favor. His favor is just undeserved kindness. He chooses, it's by his own initiative, to show undeserved kindness to, to people. I want you to take a minute, and that wasn't a fill-in. That's just out of my notes. We'll give you some more fill-ins here in a minute. At your tables, I want you to take everybody, just take a minute, because, you know, if, it's, if there's six at your table, that's six minutes, and we only have five, so some of you can't have all minute. I want you to share a story at your table of a time you resi- received undeserved kindness from God. Now, not everybody can't go, well, I got saved. We all Let's just blanket that one and say, that one's off the table right now, okay? We're all saved. That's great. Unless you had a testimony that is just like ready for, you know, the Billy Graham crusade or whatever. Let's just blanket that one, okay? Think of a time when you just totally had undeserved received undeserved kindness from the lord like you were third in line for a position promotion and you didn't think you'd get it and you got it okay something like that so do that take that i know Shelley's. the lord gave her three beautiful babies but i'll let you share about that Okay, you have one minute left. One minute. 60, 59. Okay, ladies. Now I know each table, uh, I would like you guys to just take a quick vote. What is the what is the one story that needs to be told real quick to the whole group? Is there anybody here? It, you just say table leaders, is there anyone? Okay, Mary? a single parent for a while, and I, myself and my son, I needed a car really bad, and (laughs) I used to pray. Look, I looked around, I go, you know, there's contests all over the place, there's free money, free cars, and I go, I'm going to pray to win a contest. So I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and forgot about it, and the years went by, and um, in my job where I (laughs) work, one of my bosses has a, um (coughs) the charity that he works with, (laughs) and they were raffling off a Mercedes. And my boss bought a hundred-dollar ticket for everybody in the company, and guess who won? <laughs> you won! I won. Awesome! I like that. See, God doesn't forget. That is awesome. I, my story, the story I would share of our undeserved kindness from God would be the gift of our son Christopher. How precious he is! When the Lord allowed us to adopt him. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the tale of two cities, Moses, two citizens, two cities and two citizens, the tale of two citizens, Moses and Mary. And last week we talked a little bit about Moses and how he had received such a great outpouring of God's favor, but sadly enough, he did not get to receive the fulfillment of that promise. He was denied entry into the promised land. Open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 20. I'm so excited when we get in the Old Testament because we're going to the Holy Land. Francis, Amelie, we're so, Judy, so excited. I'm not trying to rub it in or anything. (laughs) Hot Judy, yeah. Oh, and Trudy too, yeah. Woo-hoo. Verse number one, then the children of Israel, the whole, Numbers chapter 20, the whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kaddish, and Marian died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron, and the people contended with Moses and spoke. I want to say, warn us as women Do not contend with God's anointed. That was a mistake the children of Israel did here, is they contended with God's anointed. If they would have been honoring Moses and not coming at him all the time with their complaints, he would have been a much better leader. And that applies to our homes as wives too and applies in our lives towards our children. The Bible says don't provoke your children to wrath. When you are constantly nitpicking at somebody, it tears down their self-confidence, and and I know leaders. I know that it gets to them. I've lived—that's all I've ever known. I've lived in the home of spiritual leaders, and I have leaders around me. I had a pastor call me today, and you know what he told me? He goes, "I just wanted to call because we've been praying with this pastor about a situation in his staff. He said I just want to tell you that staff member that's been an awful." Awful to me, just resigned. He said, praise God. And I thought, how sad. How sad for that staff person. They're going to go out and not receive God's blessing. So that was free. Okay. If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Oh, my goodness, such extravagant, unreasonable, unrational. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we and our animals should die here? Verse 5. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, Speak to the rock. Notice that. He says, Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. So far, so good. Moses gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels! Must we bring water for you out of the rock? He was having a bad day. Then Moses lifted his hand, and he struck the rock twice with the rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Because remember in Exodus 17, God did speak to Moses and He said, "Strike the wa- rock." But this time He told Moses, "Speak to the rock," and Moses lost his temper. Now I don't understand how God works with some and with others. Because as far as I'm concerned, there are some people that have done a lot worse things than hitting a rock, and they've seemed to be okay. <laughs> You know, Pastor always says, if we just got judgment close to our crime, we would probably be a lot better Christians. But thank God for his mercy and thank God for the new covenant. But in this situation, the Lord told them, you know what? You're not going to be able to enter the land because they sin, because of Moses' sin. So I would just say this how not to enjoy God's favor, disobey. I'm making it real simple for you tonight. If you want to know how to p- live a miserable life and not walk in God's favor, just disobey. Israel, just, just don't listen to God's word. Don't listen to the truth. Just disobey. Let's look here at some verses. Ro- uh, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what is the obedience? What do we, if we want to obey God's word, what do we have to do to obey this scripture? Fear the Lord, okay? And what would be disobedience? Don't fear the Lord. Despise wisdom and instruction, right? Okay, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. What's the obedience? Okay, with what? all your heart. We've been talking about having responsive, undivided, trusting hearts. So that's a trusting heart. Jesus-hearted women have undivided hearts. Jesus-hearted women have responsive hearts, and they have trusting hearts. So with all your heart, trust the Lord. Don't lean on your understanding. Submit to him in all your ways. Okay, what, what would, how would you disobey that? What? Don't trust the Lord. Now, how do What's the application if we're not trusting God? How would that be applied? Amelie? Yeah. Yeah. I was studying the story of Samuel today when he anointed Saul king. And it's interesting because I think it's like chapter 9. When uh, the Lord speaks to Saul, I'm going to, okay, to Samuel, I'm going to give them, the children of Israel, a king because they want a king. And he says, tomorrow... This young Benjamite's gonna come your way, and I'm gonna show you who he is, and you're gonna see the king. You're gonna that's the king's gonna come. Now it's interesting because Samuel, if he thought he now was responsibility for God's promise, he would have gone and stood at the gate and waited for the Benjamite to come. But he didn't. He went about his business, he was doing his thing. And so God's God's fully in charge. He sends out donkeys he the donkeys get lost he uses the donkeys to get lost and i mean god's fully in charge see this scripture sums it up if samuel was disobedient he would have gone and tried to find saul well god gave me a promise i've got to go find the king i you know i need to find the king no god said i have a king in mind i'm going to show you who it is and samuel's like okay samuel went and did his thing he went and prepared the meat for the banquet all those things, you know, Samuel took care of his part. Disobedience is trying to do it on your own. How many can say, I have done that before and it didn't work? Oh, yes. See, we are all out of the same cookie cutter. <laughs> okay, let's look at the next one here. Pretty easy. Proverbs 13:6. Righteousness guards the one whose way is blameless, but wickedness subverts the what? So what's the obedience here? To walk righteously. What's the disobedient? Walk unrighteously. I love the definition for righteousness is simply translated right standing, right way. Righteousness is God's right way. You can say Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his right standard of living, and all these things will be added to you. One of the translations actually says that. So we can either walk upright or downright. If we walk upright, God will guard us if we walk downright. Remember last week we talked about, have you ever tried walking around your your neighborhood on your head? Doesn't that just absolutely seem absurd? But isn't that how some people live their Christian life? You know, I'll come in. I was sitting with a young woman the other night, and she's dating somebody that I absolutely can tell you she shouldn't be dating. And I told her, you are making a big blunder. And I said, in fact, I had the same conversation with your friend so-and-so, and and look where she is. You know, I just wanted to whack her upside of the head. (laughs) It's like, hello, quit walking downright, get upright. Because if you walk downright, you're going to have wicked things happen to you, but if you walk upright, God will guard you. okay. Poverty and shame will come to him negle- who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. What's the obedience? What? Okay, be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's what's the n- disobedience? And disregard reproof. You know, and the application of that, you come to church. And you hear a Sunday school teacher, you go to the marriage class, and they say such and such, and you, you don't do it. You go in church. I wasn't here yesterday. I he was taking care of a sick grandson, and I heard Pastor talked about sex, which made me even glad. The more I happened to miss that day, talk about a story of God's favor on me. <laughs> my, two of my girls were sitting next to each other, and they're like, This is awkward. Trust me, sitting on the front row when your husband is talking, that's what I heard. When your husband's talking about sex and you're on the front row, it's not comfortable, okay? (laughs) So God loves me. I just have to say that. But you hear a truth. You know, sex outside of marriage is sin. You don't continue in sexual immorality. If you're single, walk uprightly. You know, if you... Go to a class on finances, and they say, you know, do such and such to get out of bondage to credit cards, and you don't do it. You know, you're neglecting discipline. So see the obedience and the disobedience. Okay, so table discussion number two. I've given your table leaders are going to read two portions of scripture, and you just simply do this exercise together at your table. What would be the obedience and what would be the disobedience? Let's take just about five minutes to do that. Okay, so just one more minute to discuss, one more minute. Okay, ladies. Did that kind of help you guys? Just learning to take the, f- the word. Learn to take the scripture at face value. If God says to do something, let's do it. We can save ourselves a lot of anxiety and anxiousness by walking in the promises of God's words, by accepting the premise that goes with the promise. Okay, so the tale of the second citizen, Mary, is, let's understand how the favor of the Lord came to her. Luke chapter 1, verse 28 through 30. Let's turn there. Luke chapter 1, 28 through 30. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And if ever there was an understatement of the year, (laughs) it's right here in this little garden. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now this word favor is only used twice in the New Testament. It's used once here and it's used in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 where it says to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So in Luke 1 28, there in verse 30 it Luke 1 when the word favor is used it's interchanged in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 with accepted. So it's only used twice in the New Testament. So he was saying, you are highly accepted of the Lord. Well, how awesome for us as believers, and last week we talked about our position in Christ right here in Ephesians, because we talked about Ephesians being the book that tells us a lot about our authority and our position in Christ, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The same word is used as the word he used for Mary. That's pretty cool, huh? Poor Mary's gotten a bad rap because she's been put way up here, which she would not want. Mary was the the reason she was chosen because she was just an ordinary girl. That's why she was a sinner just like all of us. That was the beauty of it. God had to choose somebody that he was coming to save because that was the whole idea. So as we look at Mary, we see that she was also at this position of highly favored status. I want us to take, and let's look here at Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Open your Bible and turn to Luke 1, 46. I want us to delve in this just a little bit more. Because I love how Mary steps into this beautiful position of favor when she I kind of see this as her acceptance speech. This is Mary's acceptance speech. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, Now I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. And I think we see as believers in the New Testament our acceptance speech. That was Mary's acceptance speech of God's favor. Here's ours. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I have access. You and I have accessed, by grace, through Jesus, my position of highly favored status. By grace. You and I have walked through into that position of authority of being seated in heavenly places. And that authority has given us the position of becoming God's poetry. The Greek word for workmanship is poema. We have become God's poema, his poetry, his masterpiece. So that's our position, our access, you know. Mary and Joseph, they didn't enjoy rich circumstances. They weren't wealthy. They had discomfort. They had to go on a walk to a little city where there were no room. There's no room for a pregnant woman. Had to be born, our Savior had to be born in a manger just like God had planned. But you know what? In the midst of all that discomfort, she still enjoyed such a great amount. One of the most favored, I'd say the most favored women throughout all history. But you see, that same favor is ours. We see the correlation, Ephesians 1.6, because God has chosen us. So we can identify God's favor. When I see three things happening, I know God's giving favor. First, God has sovereignly chosen a recipient of his grace. All of us sat at our table tonight and heard stories about how God chose Mary to get a Mercedes. He just, there's no rhyme or reason why God chose to give me. I deserve a Mercedes. (laughs) It's God's sovereignty. God is sovereignly chosen a recipient of his grace. Psalms 115.3, the New International Version says, part of God's, um, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. That's what it says. Psalms 115, 3, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. You know what? If you can just relax and get to the point where you just trust that God is sovereign and that he does what pleases him, and in the big picture it's all going to work out, you'll be a much happier person. You know, it's just part of God's sovereignty that despite my unworthiness, he still chooses to love and save me anyway. And he gives all of us the freedom to accept or reject his love. That's favor. He doesn't make us. You know, sometimes, you know, people will come to us and say, I wish you'd make so-and-so do such-and-such. And I'm like, "All oh, s- outward pressure doesn't bring inward change. How about if we just fast a few meals and get on our knees and pray and ask God to break the bondages, you know? I'd rather have inward change out of somebody any day than outward, outward change because of pressure. Number two, we can identify God's favor because God has blessed that recipient in one way or another. Going to pastors' gatherings is a very enlightening thing. And can I tell you that pastors can be extremely competitive with each other? And sometimes people get the impression that just because somebody's really, really blessed, that they are just, they must be the person of highest character and esteem in God's eyes. And it's not always true. I especially have had the inside track being raised around the people I've been raised around. And I can tell you there's the good, bad, and the very ugly. And I have seen the good be used, and I've seen the bad be used, (laughs) and the very ugly being used. Even in the Christian music industry, I can tell you going into studio settings or in concerts opening for people when I was younger, and I can tell you it was not all righteous. I had my eyes open, which is one reason I would not, not let my daughter go into Christian music when she was like 14. I'm like, are you kidding me? I am too smart for that. Um, because it's, you know, we're all human. And so, but sometimes God just blesses people. D- don't, don't measure somebody's worth by how much they seem to be blessed. Right? Just trust God. He blesses whom he chooses. Not everybody that gets blessed is that person that you think they are. That's just the way it is. Number three, God has intentions that his blessings be shared with others. God has his intentions that his blessings be shared with others. You know, and I'll see sometimes a lowly person getting an extra blessing because they'll turn around. They'll be the first to turn around and to bless others. That's why Mary is giving me her Mercedes. (laughs) Oh, she gave it to somebody else. See, I knew. I knew Mary. You know, God's favor, it's granted to us, not necessary for our enjoyment, necessarily for our enjoyment, but rather the, so that the of others can be changed and that, that God can be glorified. See, our enjoyment of his blessings brings him pleasure and glory in the eyes of others, and that's why we need to be careful how we go around talking about God. You know, if we're walking in God's favor, we don't have to expect that every time we take a step forward in the kingdom, we're going to get smacked down by the enemy. Oh, man, I'm getting ready to take this new ministry. I'd better be prepared because I know the devil's going to attack me. Oh, come on. It's not always like that. Yeah, sometimes you get pushback. But you know what? Serving God is the best thing in the whole world. I can tell you that right now. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. And I haven't had that great of a day. So get me on a good day. God's favor is given to people to bring God glory and is always intended to be shared with others. Whatever God gives us, big or small, is always intended to be given away. One of my greatest joys is giving away music. And I teach most of my students for uh, nothing except that they practice. That's my bargain with them. You know, if you have a heart to be a worship leader or a musician, I'll give you lessons. That's a big sacrifice for me because I'm tired sometimes. But you know what? My joy, God gave me that gift. I'm not a concert pianist. I don't have a master's degree in music, but I can inspire somebody. I can inspire them with the love of God and with the joy of worship. That's what I can give. So what do you have to give that you can give away? Because God gave you his favor In what he's given to you to share with others. While none of us, here's another statement, while none of us can demand God's favor, we can declare it on the basis of grace and on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. While none of us can demand God's favor, I can't go around and demand God. You know, I hear people, I told God I'm your child, I'm seated in the heavenly places, and I want a job promotion. That is scary. I am thankful For the fear of the Lord. I am thankful. I was raised in a home. I remember one time I was about eight years old, and we used to sing the hymn, Standing on the Promises of Christ our King. And I thought that would be great if I stood on the Bible while I sang that hymn. And I stood on it, and the next thing I knew, my Dutch grandmother, who was very tall and blonde, running out of the house, grabbed me by the nap of my neck, took me in the house and spanked me. She said, don't you ever put God's word on the ground. And if you see the worship team knows, (laughs) they're picking up their Bibles. (laughs) Whose Bible's on the ground? My grandma's going to find it. I remember that. She taught me the fear of the Lord. God's word is to be revered, but above all, God is to be revered. And we need to come to him with respect and the fear, the respect of the Lord. But we can declare his promises. You know, you're single. Lord, you told me, if I ask in your name, your word says that I come to you, Lord, humbly. Give me a good man, Lord. Give me a godly husband, Father. He hears those prayers. trust him. So we know that God's favor is enjoying his undeserved kindness, and we see that Mary reacts to this gift with such response. She says in verse 38 of Luke 1, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. (laughs) See, the Lord brought her this promise. It was her gift back to God to walk into the favor of the Lord. She was humble. She was a favored recipient of God's gift, but she walked into it with confidence. She understood that God had given her something that she should grab hold of. Now, sometimes when people are given promises and favor, they don't walk into it. And I think there's four reasons why people don't walk into the favor of God. And they don't share their gifts. Well, one is people will think I'm prideful. If I go around and tell somebody, hey, let me give you piano lessons, they're going to think I'm prideful. You know, let, let me help you write that story you've been wanting to write. Let me help you such and such. That's not being prideful. That's ex- it's accepting the distinguishable gift God's given you. Some people will say, I failed God too much. I can't do it. I failed God too much. Or, I'm not worthy of him using me. Or, here's a classic, somebody else is better equipped. Here's a very important statement I I want you guys to catch. God doesn't assign value to us on the basis of our past performance, but rather on the purchase of our lives made by Jesus on the cross. God doesn't assign value to us on the basis of our past performance, but rather on the purchase of our lives made by Jesus on the cross. See, Jesus is our redemption. He left us here to change the world because of what he did for us. That's his favor. And his greatest joy is for us to walk in in that fulfillment I hope we can be like Mary and say may everything you said to us be done it's not pride or arrogant to desire the favor of God it's just basically a recognition of His eternal value he's placed on us so how can we enjoy God's favor well we can enjoy the favor of God by accepting our roles in his kingdom work by taking three simple steps in closing step number one get over yourself and accept God's assignment. You think that's funny, Francis? <laughs> just get over your, turn to your neighbor and say, just get over yourself. People tell me, you should hear the excuses people say, I can't teach Sunday school, such and such. I'm like, just get over yourself and go do it. Go work. And, you know, I can't be a greeter. Oh, just get over yourself. Step number two, stop procrastinating. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Stop procrastinating. They say if you want to get something done, ask a busy person. Because they don't procrastinate. Stop procrastinating. Quit being the princess. Number three, put Jesus at the center of it all. And for heaven's sakes, Start enjoying the favor of God by walking in his favor. Lord, we come to you tonight. And as we just take a few moments now in our groups to pray for each other, Lord, I pray that you will give us the courage and the stamina and the strength to walk in your favor, to walk in your blessing by accepting the assignments that you have given us, and that we will bring you eternal glory by accepting your gifts that you've given us, by accepting the favor you've placed upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in your groups tonight, what I want you to do is take some time to pray that, number one, you will use the gifts God's already given you and increase the gifts.